chartered financial analysts, these would be the people who do research on investments for the banks, for the investment industry in total. Um, We've had a lovely day or two. Yesterday we visited a Hutterite colony, had lunch at the OK colony, and uh, forced some homemade wine upon the man, just a small, <laughs> small bit, but it was about 17% alcohol. And they gave him a bo- bottle to take home with them. I'm not sure he's going to come, come out and join the colonies, but he was intrigued. He described himself last evening as the Colombo of financial investigators. It's, it's hard for some to imagine what a financial investigator does or a forensic accountant, and I think that description is pretty apt. He follows the money and finds the crime and reports on it and does analysis for institutional investors and people who are very concerned about that kind of thing. With that having said, I'll waste no more of your time and introduce our speaker, Dr. Al Rosen. Thank you. Is the chair I just left is for sale? <laughs> the uh, Colombo part I've been referred to by other people. I don't use that. So, other than Larry listens to what about half of what I say, so he got half right. Anyway. My uh, real job today is to cause immense indigestion so that you don't enjoy your lunch. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. If you think back to what has happened in Canada since the 1929 stock market crash, does anybody know what we've done about securities regulation and protecting investors? So if you pick a number from zero to one (laughs) out of a hundred, you're going to be close. And unfortunately, I'm not joking, because in 1929, after the crash, and the buildup is kind of interesting, looking through the 1920s as to what happened, there are quite a few similarities to what's happened in the last sort of five to ten years. And yet, in Canada, instead of us setting up an equivalent of a Securities and Exchange Commission to represent investors, we did nothing. So that what Canadian politicians, lawmakers did was to turn over regulations to what are called the self-regulating organizations. And what's happened in the last 20, 25 years is these people are not interested in your interests. And this may sound like a harsh statement, but it really isn't, because we have tons and tons of evidence. So for the last 25-plus years, we've had our own forensic accounting investigation branch. I have personally done over 500... Canadian director, officer, auditor lawsuits for cooking the books, inflating profits, whatever you want to call it. In our firm, we've done together a lot more than that. We operate right around the world, and the first thing I'm going to tell you to annoy you is 
Canada is not respected by the vast, vast majority of people we deal with. So you hear all of this nonsense about the Canadian banks and the strength of them, etc., etc. What industry has provided us with the most revenue to our firm for mess-ups in cooking the books, fiddling with the financial statements, whatever you want to call it. It's financial services. So I did, for example, the Northland Bank case, parts of Canadian Commercial Bank, parts of Principal Group, parts of, no, I guess a fair bit of Merit Energy. And these are ones I'm deliberately just rubbing in because I happen to be in Alberta. But we are, we've done this stuff right across Canada, Confederation Life. The leading case in Canada on security scams and bad financial statements is called Hercules Management's versus Ernst & Young. So this was a company out of Manitoba where, in my opinion, the relationship between the financial statements and reality weren't close. Anyway, the case was taken into the Court of Queen's Bench in Manitoba, and we got slaughtered. It went to appeal in Manitoba, and we got slaughtered. Interestingly, this morning I was talking to somebody from Texas who bought some companies in Manitoba, and he said to me he wants to hire us to look at this stuff, and his comment was, what the heck is the matter with you people in Canada? Like, how primitive are you? So this is how others see us, despite all the other stuff you hear. Like, if your source of information is the Globe and Mail, you haven't the foggiest clue what's going on in the business area. Some of you are fans of BNN. How often do you see on those programs an honest or balanced attempt to talk about the pluses and minuses. Does anybody ever remember the last time they had a balanced presentation? I'm joking, but... See, I can see some of you aren't happy. All right? Now, let me tell you what happened on this Hercules case. So, we have, in the last two or three years, like we had a four-part series in the National Post on this International Financial Reporting Standards in January 2008. And we called it a, a scam operation. And the Post published it, hardly changed a word. Since then, they've been rethinking how did we get in the door, but anyway, so be it. The case of Hercules management heard by the Supreme Court of Canada, and this is December of 1996, all right? The Canadian Institute of Chartered Accountants representing the Auditors of Canada said, and get this, 
the purpose of annual audited financial statements is not for investor decisions or uses. Okay? The lawyers for Ernst & Young said the same thing. I have the videotape. When I saw it the first time, I thought, these guys are crazy. So what is the purpose of annual financial statements? Do any of you have birds at home? Canaries and so on? All right, so the bottom of their cage appears to be what they're designed for. And these are annual audited financial statements. Seven to zero decision came down in the spring of 1997 where the Supreme Court agreed with this position. So suddenly, what are you supposed to use if you're making investments? Because you know very well your broker, the research departments, and all of those people are using these types of figures. I was listening to CTV for a little bit this morning, and they're talking about earnings per share. That means they're over 200 years old. How can I tell? Because it's been obsolete for that long. And they still haven't clued in. All right, so what did the Supreme Court of Canada say was the purpose of financial statements that are then used by the brokers and analysts to write stuff for you to tell you to buy or sell or hold? They said it's to get everybody who's a shareholder together. I don't know exactly where that location is. And they will vote on whether to keep the management in power. All right? So, sounds okay, sort of, until you realize who prepares these financial statements to show to you so that you can decide whether a decent job is being done. Well, management does. And on that particular basis, how many managements can you name, right? How many can you name who pick the accounting and reporting that makes them look like a fool? Can you name any? Nobody. Nobody. So where is the brain of the Supreme Court of Canada at that time? They just didn't have business people as justices. And no one explained to them, your logic is absurd. All right. When a court decision comes down that doesn't make any sense, it's up to the lawmakers in each of the provinces with their Companies Act, Securities Act, the federal people in their Companies Act, it's up to them to pass legislation to correct a stupidity of the Supreme Court of Canada. Well, guess what? Thirteen years later, we're still waiting for that legislation. All right, so let's suppose for a minute, most of you have dealt with securities crooks, so just for a second, switch over. Put yourself in the shoes of the securities crook. How long a party 
do you have to celebrate the Hercules management decision? Well, so far it's been a 13-year party. Because if these documents can't be used by anybody to make investment decisions and hold the people accountable who fiddled around with it, why are we looking at this stuff? So here's Canada. Not only did they not act in the 1930s, because the U.S. put in their legislation in 1933-34, but they didn't even act when this Hercules came down. And guess what? This was followed by Briex to some extent. Then it was Nortel. Then it was asset-backed commercial paper. Then it was leveraged ETFs. Last night he's giving me a hard time about this. <laughs> so you think silence is better at the moment because I got the mic? Yeah, you're going to lose. I got the mic. So on that basis, we have quite a track record of doing nothing about problems. Is this troublesome? Is anybody bothered by this? So we're being fed baloney, and we willingly accept it because we're nice, passive, accepting Canadians. When I look at the files of where people came from that we've had to deal with in the courts, and some of these cases drag on forever. I was hired in 1992 in a case called Castor Holdings versus Coopers and Librand, or now PricewaterhouseCoopers. That case took 17 years before I got to testify in court in Montreal. I testified for 21 days in the middle of a Montreal winter, which I didn't appreciate, but so be it. So if you can drag these cases on for that long, and we still don't have a decision on that, probably won't have it to January or so next year. And to me, it's a blatant example of cooked books. And that's what I testify to. Now, let me try one other thing out on you to ensure your indigestion is building up nicely. Let's see how people are treated as investors versus how the governments treat the taxation people. So if we take Canada Revenue Agency as an example, and we look what sort of structure has been set up for them. Well, there's something called a tax act. There are interpretation bulletins. There are all sorts of other help devices. But then again, they have investigators. They have auditors. They have a tax court. They have a whole bunch of Department of Justice lawyers. They're right across the street from us in Toronto. Massive, costly empire. Why? Why does that empire exist with all of those people and legislation and interpretations and previous tax case decisions? Who is being targeted by that particular oversight or whatever you want to call it. Anybody care to say anything? 
the little guy for little guy taxes, what about for corporations? Sorry? Not much is being targeted. Come on, let's let's use our brains here. Obviously, it's executives and managers of the corporations you are investing in, right? The people who sign the tax returns. And what does that say about how much trust the taxation people have in corporate executives? Not much. Okay, you want me to go through that again? Because a lot of you are looking at me, which should be a fairly obvious conclusion. That the tax returns that are being filed in Canada have to have a second and a third look to make sure the fair taxes according to the legislation is being collected. Right? How many are permitted to nod? <laughs> Because I'm not getting much of that at the moment. So is there any disagreement or any question you want to ask about the structure that's set up to collect taxes? Because I want to know. Yeah, go ahead. So just playing devil's advocate for a minute. That's a bad start, but go ahead. No, but you're, you're now arguing against yourself. We have a supposed self-assessment system, but we have a massive structure above it to make sure that the self-assessment is a reasonable self-assessment. Well, if you don't do that, then you totally give, give everything away. Give the keys to the box and the Okay, good, perfect. Now, now we got you set up. So let's stand a couple of steps to the side. What is the equivalent for protecting investors? There is none. How many agree? There is none. Oh, my God, they came alive. You're the magic. And this is the theme that we're working on because we've had a tough time getting people to understand they are on their own and therefore they have to learn the dirty tricks and that's one of the reasons we wrote that swindler's book. Here are the dirty tricks to watch out for. But notice some people tell us that the protection is in the provincial securities commissions. That's what you thought. And how many successful lawsuits have there been by these people? Two in the last 500 years. What is the second one, by the way? Yeah, most people mention Livent and then stumble for a second and a third. And again, like group last night, I said I'll give you 10 or 20 years to come up with five. Because I know you can't. You'd have to count trivial stuff. So let's put this together now. We've got the auditors who are pretty much exempt on annual audited financial statements. 
So they can step out of these cases. Five minutes I've got. Then we've got the securities commissions who aren't doing anything. We've got the other self-regulating bodies, such as the old investment dealers and so on, where they can do what they want. So why is it for tax purposes they've got this great structure and a lot of your tax money goes into trying to look at the self-assessment, but over here on the securities protection, we've got next to nothing. Isn't that showing contempt for all of us in this room? Right. And so there is a plan to have a National Securities Commission regulator, but when you look at that thing, it's so loaded in the one direction of helping the companies push the paperwork to issue prospectuses and so on. Who have they put in charge? They put in charge of a couple of people who have a history of doing nothing. Head person from British Columbia, I can tell you hilarious cases. Do you know that you can grow huge pearls in mussels? <laughs> anyway, that was one of the issues floated on the Vancouver Stock Exchange at the time where what they did with the money, they said, money, take a nice vacation. How about Panama? Don't you want to go down there? So yes, the money went down there to Panama, and it disappeared. And it traded on the Vancouver Stock Exchange for quite a while. Securities Commission in BC did nothing until somebody said, guess what? The people didn't come back from Panama vacation. Right? So... What the sum up is, is that you are on your own. So as nasty as you may think this accounting stuff is, you have to learn the tricks. And one last comment on this. The favorite trick in Canada, or there are two. two. One is executives own their companies and sell to the public company. I'll maybe come back to that in the question period. But the other sort of epidemic is to take the income figures and fake them, as Nortel did, as most of the business income trusts did. Tell people that here's the profit, and all it is is a Ponzi scheme. It's giving you back your own money and telling you it's a profit when it's nothing of the sort. And we've been screaming and yelling about that we warned long in advance on Nortel and the, many of the business income trusts, and they told us we were idiots. When these two collapsed, nobody comes around and say, maybe I'll rethink, maybe you're not that much of an idiot. But they don't come around, I'll tell you that. So the trickery of inflating profits is easy to do under this thing called IFRS. This is a scam out of Europe, and if you want to know more, you can ask in the question period. Perfect timing. That's your chair, right there. That's your chair. There you go. No, 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 We've traded chairs already. We've made a bargain. The lunch is going to be served now. Save, please save your questions for the question and answer period. 
you should be asking him things about fiduciary duties and your, whether or not you're the prey in a, in a predatory system. This is your money, your economy, it's your country, you own it. These are things that are important to your children and grandchildren. This is SACPA. You can catch this uh, event on the website at www.sacpa.ca. And there's a suggestion box in the lobby for people that make comments or suggestions about the uh, presentation or about Southern Alberta Council. Please enjoy your lunch, and we'll be back shortly.